0: Hey there, fellow gamers. It's uh, happy new year time. Uh, happy new year from Rolling for Change. Uh, today's episode is an episode about, well, okay, I called it an environmental impact on gaming. It could be environmental impact of gaming. It, it really just came down to it being about the environment and gaming. And I had thought for a long time that this should show up on Earth Day, but maybe not because having only one day a year to think about our environmental problems and our global change and and all these things that are going on that are impacting us continually right now, um, it it seems like it's ridiculous to only assume a one-day sort of uh, attention to these uh, terrible situations. So while gaming may not have a huge impact on on the environment as a whole there are still things we can do to use games to educate about the environment and to change our footprint on the world as hobby gamers so those are the things we try to address in this episode hopefully we'll will jar some thoughts and make you think creatively about the situation at hand and uh, um, I think it's a pretty good discussion it's between myself Josue brian and ginger and uh i hope you enjoy it here we go Welcome to Rolling for Change, a podcast about the transformational nature of gaming and the way games impact us. My name is Woody Harris. I'm your host. I am joined by Josue Cardona. Hello. Brian Peace. Hi, hi. Brian Peace.
1: <laughs> hi, hi, and
0: Ginger. and Ginger Peace. Hello. <laughs> hey guys. You gave such a pause, Brian, that I was like, and Brian, peace. It's like when you're standing on the stage. No, and I said like, hi the
1: first time. And now you prese- didn't hear me.
0: I did. I you. You said it in the middle of me saying it again. <laughs> there might be a delay. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe. Hi, guys. We are <laughs> We are here today to talk about the environmental impact of gaming feel like there should be like strong echo going out when i say that environmental impact of gaming you can fix it in post no environmental impact of gaming Ooh. yes Whoa. oh
2: i'm impressed <laughs>
0: thank you thank you that's what ripping a <laughs> hole in the ground in puerto rico can sound like <laughs> too soon too soon liddy too soon
1: oh too my soon. god <laughs> Make we are talking
0: about environmental impact, Hosway. <laughs> we are. We are.
1: But I don't think games cost that necessarily. Yeah, there no,
0: was just but... uh... <laughs> no. So there's a couple a of sides to this discussion today. The first one is the the side of how gaming can teach us about environment. And the second side is what impact do games have on environment. So I think these are kind of two in tandem ideas but i want to throw it over to you guys so we can talk about kind of the genesis of this idea where did we i mean i kind of in my mind for a long time had the idea i needed to do a show on environmentalism and gaming uh, but there was a particular moment that catalyzed this episode and that came from ginger
1: yeah um just, just to give a header, and she's going to talk about her experience real quick, but I actually have it up on my iPad in front of me. It was an episode of The World According to Jeff Goldblum on Disney+, um, featuring a virtual reality experience called Tree, created by the uh, by a new reality, the makers of another virtual reality experience called Giant. So, Ginger, what were your experiences with that one?
2: Um, I'm just gonna tell you a brief of what um what happened in the show. Okay. Okay. They bring him into this um basically the small space and um they he puts on what do you call the, the gear?
1: Um they it like- put on a virtual reality headgear and some haptics that, you know, allow him to have sensory input from it.
2: And it's basically it's a very closed space and it has they have um they have sensory stuff around there while he's watching this and they they put a um, a seed in his hand and then they put the um the sensory things on him and um and then he watches the seed grow into a beautiful tree and while it's happening they um they have scents and dirt and and everything that's around it to enhance the senses and everything and um
1: just to be very clear by the way you don't see the tree from the outside you see your sprouts growing in front of you and you are the seed when you come up you see branches propping up because from the inside because you are the tree so you're not watching a tree from the outside you're watching it from the tree's perspective
2: and 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 he's sitting there and then they they basically put dirt and incense and around to make Smoke. you smell the, the not, yeah, no that was, incense, later. But yeah. that was oh, later that was later that's right that's, okay. right that's right and then the just making you smell the environment and and basically making you feel like you are the tree and then um fall happens the leaves start falling and everything and then all of a sudden it catch the forest catches on fire so, and then they put a heater on him, and then they have, um, like, they light a match, and you can smell the smoke, and, and then the fire um, starts raging, and it's just heartbreaking, and so it's just emotional, very emotional. Yeah. It makes you feel like, you know, everything you do impacts that tree.
0: And, and that experience I was of what being in the tree.
2: Yeah. Yes, and what else can we learn from from that too? From the just not just environmental, but other things too. But it's it's a surreal experience.
1: Yeah, the idea is that it's not a game really, it's an experience. True. But but virtual reality and haptic um haptic devices were originally created for a gaming experience and the idea that this game material is being used to educate outside of the gaming experience is was just amazing
0: so it's a simulation experience primarily and and it's being done with all these uh, sensory trickery going on because he's got the goggles on he doesn't actually see what's happening so it's meant to be kind of this lived experience of what it's like to be a tree, and watch your life cycle, and then have the fire happen, and and you know it's a little bit of I don't know if there's a word for anthropomorphizing a tree, but it's a little bit that, um, but still you you just use the word anthropomorphication anthropomorphizing is usually yeah. related to animals, and I'm not sure it's related to nature.
1: Oh, in in literature, it's uh, personification. Okay. It's giving a tree human characteristics. In this case, it's literally personifying. It's putting a person in its place.
0: Yeah, so it may not necessarily be the tree's experience, but your experience of being the tree can have an impact on your awareness of what it could be like to be in that environment. And if the tree did have these human sensory inputs, that would be the experience of the tree.
3: Yeah, I think that falls under the category of what people call empathy machines. You know, it's like we can create an experience to put you in the role of someone or something else. In this case, like, I don't know, I think it depends on uh, your your views and how you interpret uh, certain scientific studies and and what you believe on how much a tree can feel and what their perspective is really like. But someone came up with the idea of what it would be like to be a tree and what it would, what it's like to live in a world where, you know, humans are doing what they're doing and things are changing the way that they're changing and, and kind of representing that in a way that, that we could understand. And I, I mean, it reminds me, of a VR experience I did, which was, uh, I mean, I've done many different VR experiences uh, and and games, but there's one in particular that was created by Planned Parenthood, and okay. it like puts you in the position. It call, it's called Across the Line, and it's puts you in the position of a woman who is like going through these. Um, protest lines and going and having a meeting and like everything that they go through. And the idea was like, you know, like most people will never have that experience, but here is a first person account in virtual reality with all of the stimulus, you know, that we can possibly provide, uh, to, to show you what that experience is like for someone. And you know, that that there, there are lots of experiences like this. And I think that they're super, uh, when they're well done, they, they, like, ginger like you were saying it's like oh man like you really feel something like it it's like you get him i mean he's a, it's a jeff goldblum right but like even just watching him going through it, you're like whoa like that's that's one hell of an experience that's you you feel something because you basically you're, you're empathizing with you know with that idea
1: yeah the other that same group who made tree also made one called giant um in this situation you're trapped in an active war zone two parents are struggling to distract their young daughter by inventing a fantastical tale and um it kind of transports you into the family's basement shelter and the parents you know building up of the fairy tale as the bomb blasts are getting closer and closer that's what i would like to get into too
0: that's that's amazing I had never heard this term "empathy machines" before, so that's that's a that's yeah. a really exciting new piece of my vocabulary. Hmm. Um, but I, I I could see very easily how these virtual reality environments could could serve to better educate us on on so many things going on, and I love the idea that pa- Planned Parenthood did one of these. That's just fantastic. And, and Ginger, when you and I were talking, we had some you had some really good ideas that. Uh, for how this could be used in other environments as well.
2: Yeah, there's so many it's just like unlimited. I mean it goes from from anything to to teaching medical. It goes from anything to um, to just there's just I'm just trying I'm at lo- at a loss because oh, it's I think such you a might have said one of them was
0: maybe experiencing cancer.
2: yes. Yes, how how it would be to, to feel like um, you know, if somebody somebody died, you could basically have a conversation with somebody that has passed, feel like you're you're sitting down talking to them, and like like
1: in Iron Man uh, three, wasn't it?
2: Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So there's so many things. There's it's just unlimited.
0: So virtual reality brings us a really good educational tool, especially for sort of explaining environmental impact and, and other situations where we might not have the empathy that we need or the understanding that we need to embrace a particular crisis that's going on in the world. Because I hear Harry right Harris talking about war, environmentalism, disease, and death. Um, and, and this inspired you because you're a gamer, and so... Your, your next thought was, well, how do games educate us on this, this, this situation? And so I, I think maybe one of, the, one of the best things we can do to transition here is to talk about how board games are teaching us about our environment or further teaching us about climate change or environmentalism. Do you guys have any particular board games that you... Or even even video games that that you feel like is doing this really well?
1: I know there's one that I want to try. I've heard a lot about it. CO2. Any yeah. of you guys ever play it? No. I haven't actually seen a physical copy. I want to play it before I buy it. Because I've heard a lot of things about it. And it's rated really highly on Board Game Geek. But it's kind of a, one of those games about... Um, <clears throat> Trying to become energy sustainable. You have to bring electricity, bring energy, bring, you know, power to your, to your um, nation. But you have to do it at a, you know, without, by mitigating the uh, environmental impact of it. So you're trying to make sure your people are taken care of, but also um, trying not to destroy the planet at the same time.
0: Yeah, okay. That one ha- I haven't played. Um, in fact, I don't think I've played many games that were specifically environmental education games. Does anybody else have any ideas of any? CO2 is one that was on my list.
2: I'm trying to think of the name. What's the name of the one that... The Smell of Rain? Um,
0: Petrichor. Petrichor. Yeah,
2: Petrichor. Um, that one t- um, has basically your... the the leaves and the trees and it basically it's when the um when the leaves fall they move to another block and I'm trying to remember about it I'm blanking here um do you remember playing it
1: yeah I remember playing it it's not one of my favorites because I've never quite (laughs) grokked the system it always befuddles me
2: Susie always wins on that one (laughs) that may be
1: another reason
2: yeah
0: (laughs) Well, it, yeah. it's kind of a game about the water cycle and, and you know, obviously you're, you're using the game as a means of making points, but it, it would be a great jumping off point to talk about, you know, the different ways in which water cycles through our environment and how it impacts the plants and, you know, you're trying to grow plants to make points. So it's, it's, not, it's not a heavy handed environmental message that it's sending, but it is giving you an impact idea of how rain impacts growth.
3: Well, that's where I think that, like, if, if you break it down to the different types of possible education uh, that that could come from from different types of experiences and games, I think that probably exposure is the most uh, simple. I think, right? It's like, oh, yeah. like, I, I mean, I'm being exposed to the idea of energy consumption, or oh, of environmental um, effects, right? Of a lack of water, or you know, a need for heat or cold or things like that, and I think that as mechanics, lots of games have those things that are, like, you don't think about that on a, on a daily basis, and, and your environment may not be, uh, like, I don't know, uh, you're all in Georgia right now, whether... Well, that doesn't go too crazy like i mean you, you do have changes of seasons right but there are some places that really like, don't don't have any changes in in seasons and and don't yeah. have but there are places that deal with droughts and there are places that right now australia is on fire and dealing with forest fires yeah. so like if, if you play a game that, about
1: the changes <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and there are games that that again just like even just as a mechanic or as an idea can expose you to that and get you to think about it so, are there games that you can think of that just have those, again, just like environment as a as a mechanic? I mean, something even like uh, like I don't know, even like Catan, right? Like you're farming and you're growing things, but it doesn't. There isn't really like you're not worried about the season and the and the the rainfall and things like that. But are there games that are more elaborate that have those kind of systems in place?
1: I have one called Prosperity. Uh, one of the designers was Reiner Knizzi. I can't remember who the other one was, but um, it kind of the same as CO2. You're each competing nations trying to balance um, pollution, energy, production, and money. So, I mean, there are a lot of them in that, but there's one that just makes me so ticked off that I can't get my hands on it. Um, <clears throat> it was produced by... Uh, Geolino, the, uh, a German science magazine for children, and they actually produced a limited number of copies of this game, and at one point, Ravensburger was in talks to get their hands on it and produce it, and it just kind of disappeared into the ether. Um, it's called Meltdown. Okay. And you, all the players are working cooperatively to save this group of polar bears that are on an ice floe, and get them from the ice floe to the mainland. Kind of like, um, like, um, um, Atlantis, you know, survive escape from Atlantis, except the board is not virtually disappearing. It's literally disappearing. This game, you take a wetted, a wetted sponge with divots in it. You freeze ice, put it in the divots and as the board game melts and becomes you know becomes water you actually start losing ground and it's completely you know random how it's going to melt because you don't know which pieces of ice are going to melt the fastest and you got to get these polar bears off the ice before it melts
3: <laughs>
0: okay so that's like, that incredible. would be the coolest
1: game to get my hands on but <laughs> yeah. it, it's not available
0: that's incredible i love that yeah
2: Huh. Huh. (laughs) He's showing me what it looks like and it looks like a a plastic platform and each there's bunches of squares on there and and it looks like when it melts it goes underneath the tray. The water melts underneath Hmm. the tray. Well there's Hmm. a sponge. It's a sponge. Inside
1: the tray. Um, Let's see.
2: That looks cool.
0: Yeah. Wait and if there's a sponge that means you're going to recycle the water and play again later?
2: Yes! The chunks of
1: ice, it says here, the chunks of ice are arranged on a blue polar sea sponge to form a small arctic. The sponge is used as the game board and absorbs the melted ice at the same time.
3: Okay. Oh, 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 okay, okay. And then that's so amazing. it comes like with an ice tray that you, you make the pieces yes. separately? Gotcha, gotcha. It oh, is that's so, so cool looking.
1: <laughs> and I want to get my hands on it, but they, they, they're not making it breaking my heart
0: well there's there's a few games that i can think of that have have been environmentally oriented and nothing is as wonderfully experiential as that um but one of my first one of my earliest games back in maybe 2011 2012 was a game called evo oh, yeah. evo is just basically a game about uh the time of dinosaurs and trying to evolve your dinosaur in a way that it could handle the changes in environment that are coming as this asteroid is quickly speeding towards earth. And so these different things start to happen and you have to kind of adapt to the times. And so I think also evolution, the game kind of puts you in mind of that same kind of idea of trying to evolve towards your needs in the midst of a coming environmental collapse. Hmm. Um, those things kind of bring your attention to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another game that I now that you brought that one up, the the one with the melting ice, I thought about Forbidden Island because Forbidden Island is all about a sinking island. And while it's not necessarily even focused on the environmental aspect of it, that is what would really happen as the island would be sinking. You'd have to really work hard to get these get to these places that you wouldn't work hard otherwise to get to or something. Um.
3: What about what about games that are set in like post-apocalyptic settings? Do any of them have any natural occurrences or are they all zombies and aliens? And- <laughs> well, hmm.
0: you know when I think about that I think about Wasteland Express and I've only played it one time and it's still one of my favorite games after playing it. Um, it is set in a post apocalyptic time and you are really kind of dealing with a lack of resources and a lack of energy providing uh, possibilities and so you're you're driving these big trucks across these uh, desert plains in order to pick up items and take them to the, it's a pick up and deliver kind of game um, it doesn't really it, you know in the most subtle of ways it might could be said to speak of environmental impact but I, I don't even know if the rule book talks about the reason that you're in this wasteland in the first place usually i think you're right usually post-apocalyptic kind of games or post-apocalyptic kind of media emphasizes the fact that we did something damaging to our environment mm-hmm. i mean you'll need to look at road warrior and you see that this is this is the way we screwed up the earth yep um but I'll have to think about that more because that's the only post-apocalyptic game I can think of right now, besides the games that are full of zombies. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of those.
3: Are there any about uh, like terraforming another planet or expansion uh, things like that?
1: Terraforming Mars. There's
0: one that Brian hates. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Actually, I think Terraforming Mars is a fantastic game uh, about uh, terraforming because. Uh, regardless of the fact that it's it's highly competitive and you have to kind of know the cards and be, be really familiar with the iconography, it is about changing the environment of Mars and balancing the things that you're doing in order to create the right environment for colonization of Mars. Yeah. Another one I was thinking of is photosynthesis. Hmm.
1: Yep, that was a good one. Uh,
0: this one is, you know it's it's kind of apropos of the moment because i've been thinking about the song the trees by rush and this is the trees the game um in which basically the larger and taller trees outshadow the smaller trees gain more resources gain more energy and thus gain more points Hmm. and other people as a result don't get those points so it's very there's a very cutthroat side to this this just growing tree game in which you're trying to keep your tree in the sunlight no matter where the sun is at, and the sun rotates around the board. And so you have to grow your trees such that your trees get more light than other people's trees. Um, so that, that's got a little bit of that environmental component to it.
1: There's, um, there's one I've been kind of researching a little bit. Um, it's kind of a push your luck worker placement set collection kind of game. It's That's a lot of a, things. Yeah. It's called Peak Oil. Okay. It, it was released in 2017. I've never actually seen the game. I really want to get a play in of it at some point. But it's less about environmental impact and more about um, each player is a manager at a big oil company. Okay. And you are tasked with leading your enterprise into a future without oil. So in the game, the oil supplies are running low there's we're running out of oil altogether and you're having to lead your company to be able to survive once oil is depleted
0: okay hmm. i like that yeah that sounds
3: interesting i
0: remember a a co-worker of mine when i worked at borders books and music asked me what i thought would happen if if fossil fuels ran out and my answer at the time was a rather naive, I think we'll find ways to deal with it. Um, and I think we will, but I think it's got to be with a plan and uh, a support system and an understanding of what the alternative sources of energy are. And so a game like that can really help us to understand that, the, I mean, again, the game is the game. It's meant to you know, be a, a method of gaining points most of the time. But the other side of that is that if it can bring up conversation and force people to be uh to acknowledge that there are some challenges that we'll face in trying to move in that direction i think that's that's a really important uh pedestal that that gaming could stand on in terms of just kind of letting people know
3: yeah, there kidding. is one i just, just got people to think about it right like you said like someone Absolutely. asked you the question and i was like huh hmm maybe i haven't thought about that before
0: <laughs> yeah, you said exposure, and I think yeah. that's a really good way of talking about it because that's what games can do for us is expose us to a condition and educate us about that condition while still giving us, you know, hopefully we're still going to enjoy ourselves in the game.
3: Yeah. and Like, educate uh, is possible, right? <laughs> but right. But for the most part, it's like it's getting you to think about it and, and process it and, and I mean, a, a really good game can have you play through some of the motions, right? But I think you take time to reflect on it it's like huh well what would that be like what options are there yeah you, we, we're living in 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 the world right and there's so many things uh, going on right now like like again when when ginger was talking about that that tree and the fire I'm thinking oh yeah Australia right now it's horrible
0: yeah you know yeah and and some people aren't experiencing that they just see it as a piece of news media yeah and they don't I mean even myself who I, I, you know I have all the empathy in the world for what's going on in Australia and I want to support But there are people who just say, well, that's just another piece of news, and they're just kind of moving on with it and not really making like, oh, okay, California's on fire. So what? It's not happening to Georgia. Well, yeah. And then, of course, people come up with reasons for it, God's judging the world, et cetera, things like that. But um, the fact is that we don't really experience it enough to, to, I mean, if those of us who are in safe areas, so to speak, don't really experience that. So it just becomes another blip on our radar. Yep. That's the danger, I think. And that's, that's, that's where I think games can come in is, is to k- try to educate us further on those things.
3: Yeah. And kind of like on a smaller scale too, right? Like the, the Australia thing, the last news report I heard was that a billion animals have died. Yeah. I can't I yeah. can't wrap my head yeah, around that, you know? But if you give me a game where there's like 10 animals and we're trying to save them... I can, I can empathize and maybe, you know, think about it and, uh, in, a, in a different way that is um, more emotionally impactful and more uh, possibly thought-provoking, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, it feels more tangible.
0: One of my early experiences with uh, gaming in this, uh, this gamer hobby environment, as opposed to just gaming on my own, where, you know, I had very few friends who played games at the time, was I had just started going to a game group here in uh, it's kind of in the Woodstock area. It's called Secrets Factory. Um, at that group, um, I met a gentleman named Kevin Lansing. Now Kevin, you, you might know for making a game called uh, Flashpoint, uh, Fire Rescue, which is about the burning of buildings and things. But before I ever got to play that, I played one of his prototype games, which was on Forest fires. And even though that game never got made, even though I only played the prototype and it, it's probably still sitting somewhere in Kevin's mind waiting to fully be born, um, that game was a, a game th- about the challenges of fighting a fire and how hard it is to, to get these fires to be put out because you're, you're using your copters and, and various dynamics to try to put out the forest fire and of course you have to put it out in a certain way in order for the forest fire to not spread. And it, it's similarly cooperative as Flashpoint is, and uh, that was a that was kind of an eye opening moment because I, I that was the point also that I which I saw Kevin and I saw him like you're really doing research on this and people can really do research on games, yeah. Um, and and that was pretty fascinating to see. So one more that I found is called Turn Up the Heat. Now Turn Up the Heat is not on Board Game Geek. And I'm often surprised that I find these games that are not on Board Game Geek, but this one is one that was made for the purposes, I guess, of some kind of college project of some sort. Because it, it only comes, like, I don't even, it do not even show you where you can buy it. It's just, it was just made for this abstract and, and this study. Uh, but basically, the study is they were saying that in homes, in families, the dynamics and politics around the use of the thermostat are really not talked about very much. Very often, someone, maybe the adult, mo- most likely the, the dad or a male adult, based on stereotypes and history, is the one who controls the thermostat. And, and what that means to control the thermostat is that other people are confused about it, don't know what to do with it. And even the dad or the person who's in control may be saying you know, something like, it's finicky, don't touch it, don't mess with it, because they're afraid that they're going to change some really important balance. So these guys said, how can we... How can we better educate people on, on this thing, on, on using, you know, just using power consumption as an example in your home of how you can make an impact on the environment? And so the game was made around this idea of going through an entire year and during that year, basically trying to learn how to manage the thermostat in such a way that everybody reached their comfort zone, but also they still had enough money to continue going around the year. And so it, it kind of spawned conversations between families in which kids and moms and dads and, you know, various family members are talking about, uh, you know, what are the things we can do to the house to make a bigger impact on our energy consumption in the house? And uh, just this one example here, dad says, how did you have a $400 bill? What did you do? And mom says, Yeah, what did you do? Well, I put on the heat, said the boy of fifteen years old. Well, you got to Well, you got to put the heat on in the winters. Well, that's all I did. Well, it's expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's expensive. And this is, you know, someone who probably didn't have any idea of of the impact of his moving the heat around in the house prior to to playing the game. And so the one thing that they didn't do is like longevity studies afterwards to find out what was the impact of the game on people. But it did change their immediate attitudes about energy consumption in the home. And I, I wish I could find it somewhere because it actually sounded like it wasn't basically a roll and move game. You you built resources, you tried to manage your level and your comfort zone in order to make sure that the house was functioning properly and everyone was comfortable, but not too comfortable because too comfortable costs too much. Um, and they played it with different demographics. So some of these people that they played with made under $25,000 a year and some made over $90,000 a year and just seeing the impact of those different things. So I thought that was a fascinating article. That's a, um, that's a game that a lot of people play in real life. It is. Yeah.
2: Yes. Me and Brian's <laughs> been playing that for the last four or five months. <laughs> <laughs> we got you... a, we got a programmable, um, thermostat and we're like, okay, what is it working for you? What is it not working for you? Then mm. we get the bill and go, okay, let's change it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the and real
0: over, world impact.
1: Yeah. And over holiday break, remember teacher here, we have it set. So it's a little cooler while we're at work because the animals don't care. Right. Um, uh, so when I was home during the week, it was my morning ritual to get up, walk over to the thermostat and go, oh no, that's not going to happen. Um, I, I can't handle
2: except for high,
1: six, high fifties, low sixties. Uh,
2: um, it's set for 62 degrees while we're away.
1: It's set for 62 degrees while we're away. And that was a little chilly for me. I wasn't freezing, but it was not comfortable. And wow. 60, hold on, hold on. I just have to take a break here. Me.
0: A little chilly for Brian.
1: Yes,
2: I know the person that does not wear a jacket. (laughs)
0: The person who went to Philadelphia in the midst of the cold and sometimes wore short sleeves. (laughs) No, I. I You did.
1: I always wore short sleeves, except for the one day I wore a jacket (laughs) because it was below freezing.
2: I don't think he he owns probably two shirts that are long sleeve. Okay. I mean that that is that is not that is not dress shirts. Okay, exception of dress shirts. (laughs)
1: Three dress shirts and one um moderately long sleeve shirt that I got because I was a volunteer for Dragon Con and I never wear it because I hate longer sleeves. So Okay. Yeah. So yeah. S-
0: Sorry, I took us off in another direction. I apologize. <laughs> I was just I had to I had to call attention to the moment. During
1: the coming Ice Age, I'm gonna survive. <laughs> <laughs> until well, the food runs out. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm sure that at least one person listening to this lives in a place where their power company provides them with a report every month that shows how their power consumption compares to their neighbors. This is a thing that happens, okay. and uh, hmm. I've read I've read studies about this that show that just showing people that right pushes people to start making changes because it to compete competi- with their
0: neighbors without really talking about it
3: yep it becomes competitive you're like huh so this is the average and these neighbors in this area like they this is their consumption this is mine so if you're like too high people start making changes to kind of bring it down and they've you know and i've again there may be studies that show the opposite but i've read uh some that show that it actually helped lower consumption um in many homes and it was just that it was just that 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 little bit of game theory that they threw in there, (laughs) and and it really helped out.
2: It would so work for me, I (laughs) swear to you. If somebody showed me my neighbors and showed me that they're saving more money because I am cheap.
1: (laughs) Which is why I buy the
3: board games. (laughs) So even just talking about it has has motivated you, Ginger. (laughs) Um, Let's stop talking about it.
1: (laughs) i'll send you because here's I'll, the problem i'll
3: send you a few links <laughs> here's the
1: problem as long as she forgets it by summer we're good because the air conditioning <laughs> will be in full effect in summer
3: summer's a whole other game it's like it's dude like, it's, it's the i other version. am
1: <laughs> i am off school for summer i will be home all day there is no way that bill comes in i'm going to say too bad so sad cry me a teacup <laughs> i got nothing for you the air conditioning's on i'm sorry you're not here in your freaking air conditioned <laughs> office, I don't want to hear it.
2: Okay, I do want to make a disclaimer here. We did not have central heating and air until August of this year, and so the yeah. hottest month of August it hit hundreds more time um, than um, in September than it did in August. So it was Whoa. the hottest months. So we were very, very happy we got central heating and air. Just letting you know.
0: <laughs> what that really resulted in was Brian and Ginger using more fuel to get to our house where there was air. <laughs> nope, we just suffered through it. Seriously, though. You did though, suffer through it a lot,
1: though. Seriously, though, um, the first we, we've lived here for two and a half years? Three. Th- three years now. The first two, first two and a half years, we had no central heating and air. The first year we had nothing but fans and a wood stove and some propane heaters. We bought, we bought an unfinished house and we're gradually finishing it as we go. Um, the second year we had a couple of, um, floor AC units that, you know, we could set up in the bedroom and the living room. And that was where we had air conditioning bedroom and living room and the same kind of heating this year it's been amazing it's been wonderful i'm welcoming back my air conditioning gods cuz the first year i was not i was not working over the summer and there, with no ac i just sat on the couch and just leaked <laughs> from every pore yeah. ew ew <laughs>
2: How do you think I felt <laughs> <This imagery. laughs> So we've been playing our own game of that. <laughs> Same as roll Olaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My ears are burning. My ears are burning.
1: <laughs> so whenever we talk about, you know, climate change, I'm right up there. I'm like, no, 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 it does not need to get globally warmer. We, we, we don't need that. Um, I've experienced what extreme heat is. Uh, in the hundreds, sitting inside a house where it's hotter inside than outside, and it, it's it's bad.
3: <laughs> so so far we've talked about. Uh, at least I think the episode is supposed to be called the environmental impact <laughs> of gaming, right? But so far yes. I think we we talked about environmental impact in on gaming, gaming or in yeah. gaming. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So I mean, do you even want to touch that the, <laughs> the actual <laughs> of gaming? <laughs> i do actually okay. and i, I yeah. think it's a good idea for us to make that transition now that we're talking about the the ways that, that we're choosing to do things in the environment yeah. the question i had you know prior to this and I, I didn't kind of think about it from the perspective of of the the tree virtual reality uh experience because i was this is before i even watched that and before ginger suggested that idea was the question just the very basic question do we as board gamers have a responsibility to change our ways of consuming board games in order to impact the environment? And my immediate response was, we're really a pretty minimal footprint on the earth compared to other situations. I mean, if you look at the video game industry and the video game crash of 1980, whatever it might have been when Atari unloaded thousands and thousands of et games into a landfill um the impact that we make as board gamers is not as big but i wanted to I bet, know i bet there's more monopolies
3: in landfills than there are uh, ets Drink. (laughs)
0: Um, I was
2: thinking the same thing. (laughs) And I'm just glad
0: someone brought up Monopoly who wasn't me this time. (laughs) So just a real quick point about Monopolies. I I was just looking through articles about (laughs) games that, that were about environment. And this one list, I was like, this is a really exciting list. It was a list of 30 games that were about the environment. About 27 of those 30 were different variations of Monopoly. <laughs> Drink. Yep, yep. Um, so the, the question I wanted to ask basically was, well, what is the impact? Is there really any impact to our, our board game consumption, basically? And I found this article um, by Storyboard Gamer called Board Game Overconsumption." Hmm. And he offered some interesting statistics that I wasn't previously aware of. And one of them is that since 2000, where in 2000, new board games, there were maybe about 1,000 made in that year. You get up to 2017 and we're up to close to 4,500 and 5,000 when we start considering um, things that are uh, expansions or additions to games. So we're clearly having that impact on the environment. And you think of what goes into board games, it's cardboard, it's various chemicals to seal the cardboard, it's various plastics that we use. Gloomhaven
3: weighs 22 pounds, the box.
0: Yes, that's huge, and that's mostly plastic, right?
3: I don't know. Has anybody played? Does anybody
0: has anybody seen the inside of the box? That's that's really terrible. We're a board gaming podcast. We haven't seen the inside of the box.
2: (laughs) I think Brian has. I think he drooled on it.
1: (laughs) No, I didn't because if you well, I should have because you break it, you bought it. Now you've given me an idea. Oh. I have
2: to, I have to drool on it, so they force Brian, me to Brian's buy it. just gonna
1: go to the game store and drool on games,
3: leak on the games.
1: Oh, 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 game. oh! Like those, like that, like that thing last year with the people licking ice cream. I just walk into game stores and start licking games, and then I have to buy it. ew.
0: I could just never do that because what if else... on his neck?
1: Yeah, let's not go in that direction. they'll give her ideas. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a whole another topic <laughs> of environmental.
0: <laughs> but the the point is, there is an impact from from games. I mean, we may be a minimal footprint, agreed. But do we as gamers have a responsibility to the environment? Well, so what did the article say? I think we oh, we cut you off. Well, I I wasn't going to go deep into it because I'd like people to to check it out. But one of the things he was saying was that there are there are ways that we can change our board game consumption in order to make a better impact on, on our hobby. And one of them was, of course, to use recycled products in the making of board games. That was a pretty big uh, end point he made. The other uh, point he made, that our growing trend of legacy games is not a really great trend for board gaming, just in the sense that you're basically buying something to really actually, honestly consume it and get rid of it. Although some people put it on their wall, But really, in the future, it won't have a meaning to anyone else but the people who played it. So here's this completely consumable thing. Like, if I buy a game, I'm hoping that that game's going to sit on my shelf and be played a number of times and continue on and maybe even be passed to somebody in the future. Or if I get tired of it, sold to somebody so that it continues to have usefulness in the the world. Flea market. Flea market is a good example, absolutely. Hmm. But then the other thing he pointed out was maybe the cardboard is not such a big deal but then we have to talk about the fossil fuels necessary and the machinery necessary to create those games and to get those games from production point to ourselves our shelves. um and that also makes a pretty big impact
3: and you kill trees to make it happen
0: exactly uh,
1: and a lot yeah. of the bits are made of plastics and the production of plastics yeah yeah bad. and then we really yeah. like to pimp
0: up our games but pimping Eat. games adds to the consumption because now we've taken the bits that they've given us originally and we're just going to put those over here on the side. We're going to grab one more consumable, put it in our box and now our box is pretty. Now we like what we've got. It's more entertaining. It's more meaningful to us now but we've used extra materials in order to do that. Actually, my message to board game makers is just make the right materials in the first place and don't make us rely on secondhand markets to do Expansion like box fixes and things like that. See, oh,
3: see uh, man. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, but see, um, on the on so the expensive. other hand, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just like the recyclable material stuff. Like, yeah, that sounds really good. But to use recycled material will probably cost a lot more and bump up the entire. Like, if, if you're doing this as a business. Yeah. There are all of these decisions that you have to make along the way, including where you're going to produce it, what materials you're going to use. And, like, Gloomhaven, like, I, I can't believe, like, they, they did that, right? Like, it's like a huge 20-pound box. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of, yeah, like, there's just the, what is it? The, the profit margin would be so small because not everybody is going to, like, how many games, and I'm, I'm sure that this is probably the biggest problem that Euro games have, is that they cost way more than a Monopoly set. Right, like people will pay ten, fifteen dollars for a Monopoly, but then you go and you're like, oh, this game's sixty dollars for a and people, you know, like for a board game, like you know, like we understand, we'll do it. We're like, oh, it's beautiful. We're gonna, we're gonna buy it. But yeah, but if that's your business, you're not gonna sell as many as if your game costs fifty dollars or forty dollars, and you have to make. There's so many decisions in between that are just really hard, and it's something that all businesses struggle with. So it's like it's it's nice to. To say that, but I (laughs) to think that, but I don't think it's it's possible for most game manufacturers.
0: That's probably true, and I don't know enough about what the the cost of using recycled materials is versus the cost of using brand new materials.
3: Yeah, it's it's more expensive, uh, is is my understanding, and
0: sometimes like more expensive can be
3: a quarter of a penny per pound, right? It can be that small, but. When you're talking about a business, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Well,
0: and when you're talking about maybe millions of pounds, mm-hmm. then yeah. it starts to, it's, it does start to have an impact on your bottom line.
3: Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was doing some research on how to limit environmental impact, and one, a couple different places I saw they were talking about, instead of buying new games where they have to shrink wrap it and keep producing yeah. more games, buy second hand. Buy second hand. I'm like, well, that's lovely and all, but if no one buys first-hand, there won't be second-hand. Yep. And if you don't buy any new games, then the game companies that make them will go out of business, and I don't know. That's, chicken and egg. Yeah, chicken and egg. I mean, I buy second-hand games, absolutely, um, but it's not my primary method of getting games. I still want to make sure I support the companies that produce quality material.
0: Right. And I still get excited about new games because people have new ideas that I think are worth engaging myself with. And so I, I'm, I'm unfortunately or fortunately a huge fan of Kickstarter. Um, and a lot of times Kickstarter games are made in, I don't know if they're made in sweatshops, but they're made in foreign environments where people are making much less money for what they're doing. And so that makes the impact on the gaming industry not as heavy in terms of the financial obligations um and and so there's maybe a need for having uh, i hate to say that there's a need for having cheap labor for it but there there is a i mean we as consumers of those games probably should make good political decisions and only support those places that are making games that are uh, environmentally sustainable
3: i mean like i don't know how many games have been successful putting a you know made in usa uh sticker on the box Or how much more they'll they'll sell, and that's just the case
0: with most products. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason they're called Euro games.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it makes a lot of sense if if you if you're a board game printer manufacturer in the states, right? Like you just get the files, you make it over here. It's cheaper because you don't have to uh, transport it overseas. And like I, I don't I I honestly have no idea how that part of the board game industry works. Uh, I have a better idea on, you know, in in other things, but I have no idea how that works. Now, my, so for a long time, I, I was proud of not having more board games for this reason. Okay. But I've completely turned around on that. Uh, I don't know if you've seen arguments online about plastic straws. Right? it's like, oh, yeah. Starbucks is going to get rid of plastic straws, and yeah. if you if you if you do enough research, you'll find people that say that is one of the stupidest, most non consequential things that we could possibly do regarding the environment or or plastic production or, or consumption on all on all accounts. Like not only like the the plastic straws ending up in you know. Uh, you know, killing a, a sea turtle or uh, or just the the waste of it. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so inconsequential compared to so many other things. And recently I read an article about the power consumption of streaming services.
0: So like what we're doing right now.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but like like okay. you're watching Netflix, right? Sure Netflix okay. is there's a server farm somewhere that is running Uh, that that is storing all the data pushing it out and then there's all this infrastructure in place the all this electricity that is being used to push that to you and then you're using this electricity to then run it in your house right okay so the cost of electricity as long as as energy is not renewable right? like it completely changes if, if it's if that server farm is running on solar power or wind power, then the conversation changes. But the truth is that most of the world is not on renewable energy. Right. So you're either burning coal or, or some kind of gas or something that is not renewable to be able to, to push that to you, right? And you're doing that for, you know, eight episodes of The Mandalorian is eight hours, right, that you did that. right? And right. and we're doing that constantly. And the the article I read didn't talk about video games, but for video games, for a while I thought the same way uh, like, oh, I'm not buying physical. There's no, there's less uh, shipping cost and, and energy wasted. There's no printing, right? So there's less plastic, less paper, all that. But instead, I am uh, downloading, right, this game. So I'm going through the same kind of thing that the Netflix article is talking about. Mm-hmm. So there's all of this energy that is being consumed in not only the the delivery and download of the game, but something I've been thinking about lately is that for example, if you have a console like the the Xbox or the PS Four, this is computers are, are obviously uh, this way. But in computers, it's all sort of software. But think about a gaming console; it's connected, and you you have two options: you can just turn it off, or you can put it like in a low power mode. and In a low power mode, it's constantly pinging servers to see if there's an update for your game. So not only did you download the game once, that game is getting up, uh, uh, getting uh, uh, updated constantly. So, yeah. there could be gigabytes and gigabytes of data that are just traveling back and forth as you update the game. So, again, that is, there is, it takes energy to do that type of thing. So, after reading that article, I was like, you know what? I haven't thought about this in a while. I'm going to turn off my system and just update the games that I want because I bought a four terabyte hard drive for my PS4. I've got like nice. 250 games on that thing and if every day it's checking to update all the games that have new updates, I'm never going to play all those games, right? There are games that I'm, that I'm never going to touch again and they're getting updated in the background. And that's something that I wasn't thinking about in terms of environmental impact, but I am thinking about it now. So, with 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 all of that said, I think that board gaming is like not doesn't have a huge environmental impact because it probably it probably takes more energy for you to go to the movies right and have like the gas that you you spent to go to the movies the energy involved in running that place running the projector having that ac uh all that for, to watch like that one movie that one time and you probably yeah. spent you know if if you're a family you spent just as much as if you would have bought a board game you buy the board game you have it and it'll last it can last a very very long time and be reused and reused and reused when a lot of experiences that we that we go to are very just they're just one and done they're you know? consumable yeah even like even just food right like we don't need to eat as much as we do like in general as human beings like on the, on the on the western hemisphere like you don't need to eat three times a day most of us you know like we could lower just food consumption and have a way bigger environmental impact than if we bought less board games so my position is that I think board games have, uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think are a very A-okay. small footprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
1: greatest impact we make um, when playing board games is we don't take Ginger's truck to go to Woody and Susie's to play. We take my ca- my car, <laughs> which uses less fuel and puts less
0: emissions into the air.
1: There you go. There you go. So there, I'm doing my part.
0: But here's another piece to this, you know, we go to conventions, and conventions, that's 75,000 people when you think about Gen Con, and Gen Con is probably a haven for waste at that point, because there's so much that we throw out, there's so much that we see, some, I mean, there's thousands of games, some of which will never really even make a really big impact past Gen Con, others which may be long-standing, these games are going to last, and they're important, and we we put them on our shelves, and shine the light on them love them that much but there there is there, there's such a balancing act going on here where we have to try to balance it all and then somebody pointed out that these board game cruises are like one of the worst impacts that we can have but on that, the environment that's
3: just cruises in general like that's yeah but not... well, that is just cruises <laughs> yeah. in
0: general but when you're adding more i mean uh, one of the things the cruise industry seems to have done in the past 10 years or 20 years of my life is to fetishize these cruises so they're not just a cruise anymore the first one I remember was a Cirque du Soleil cruise called The Bar at the End of the World and it was the entire boat ride was on Celebrity Cruises and it was Cirque du Soleil doing the whole thing. It was themed. And huh? It's themed. Yeah. Yes, it was themed yeah. and all the all the Cirque du Soleil characters were characters on the on the boat they were taking on roles and, and you know it's almost like being cast members at Disney or something. And then I'm planning on going that... on a Disney
3: cruise in like two years with my family, and <laughs> I know that there was a recent um, Patriot Act episode, which is a uh, Hassan Minhaj has a like a news uh, show on Netflix, and he did a yeah. whole episode on the environmental impact of cruise ships. And after okay. seeing that, you're like, wow. Man, it's like that that is really horrible compared to like like even discussing board games feels like so insignificant <laughs> when you think
0: about board games. And well, and it's to, like the straw. You know, yeah. it seems like such a minimal thing at the top, but you have to start somewhere. And obviously those of us who are obsessed with board games, uh, we want to make that impact too no, most that, that, likely. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. But but like if you're comparing again, it's like in the grand scheme of things, you compare it, yeah. oh yeah, Gen Con. PAX probably consumes 10 to 15 times more energy because- Because they're
0: using electronics.
3: Computers, like just rows and rows and rows of computers and monitors and big screen monitors and everybody's on a console. Like there is just so much energy consumption there compared to a place where people just set up tables and need lights and air conditioning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, one of of the big um, problems people have with even a discussion about environmental impact of different hobbies or different production, you know, mannerisms is that we're never going to have, you know, zero impact, but that's missing the point. It's reducing the impact. It's the same as turning down the thermostat. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to not need the thermostat. Air conditioning is a part of my life. Sure, it, but it's reducing the impact on my bills, for instance. <laughs> that might be something we'd look at.
3: My wallet is part of the environment.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's part of the. It's part of my biome within my you know, sphere of influence. <laughs>
3: I think that eventually, maybe not in 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 our lifetimes, but eventually, I think that we'll we'll be able to crack uh, renewable energy to a point where. Then I can say like, oh yeah, my my P- PS4 is on all the time. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> it's always updating
0: my games because it's always solar power or something. So, yeah,
3: yeah, because always renewable and that'll be that'll be you know then convenience is is okay, um, but yeah, I mean it's it, this conversation is always so difficult because where do you but like you said, where do you start? Like you want to do something. Yeah, like like you said, Brian. Like anything, right? That we can do to make a change, to have an impact. As gamers, we we want to be a little bit more responsible. I mean, but we say that, but we also want like a super deluxe edition. I want the pretty. Yeah, I want the super, (laughs) the one with the gold trim. The I I want the Gloomhaven special edition that weighs 120 pounds. We want the giant versions of games. We want, I don't know, deluxe editions, right, of our favorite games, like. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, I mean it's I've comfy. I've really
0: pimped out my Terra Mystica and it's it's full of of things that I've consumed in order to make sure that it is that pretty and that good.
3: Yeah.
1: Because I mean people talk about how damaging plastics are to the environment, but then again, these minis practically have to be made out of metal or plastics of some sort, because you really can't carve them out of wood efficiently. But if there are Bits of your game that can be made of wood, which we can regrow wood if we were smart enough to replant freaking forests, (laughs) but the plastic will always be damaging. Now, um, we're always going to use plastics now that we have them. They're really useful in some some cases. But if I'm going to have resource cubes, do they have to be made of plastic? Would they be better made of wood?
0: Aren't they often made of wood?
1: Yeah, but I've seen games where
0: oh, sure. I mean, there's there's plenty of games, are made of plastics. Though. But even yeah. even the miniatures, they don't have to be as detailed
3: as they are. Right? They could be cubes also, and just use your imagination. <laughs> like we, we <laughs> but we want those 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 details. We want things to look a, a certain way. Uh, there's oh, I saw there was a Kickstarter recently for D and D miniatures, but they're basically uh, flat. So yeah, I saw those. Yeah, yeah. So they have like a little stand, and they're completely flat. So they definitely use way less. I mean, in 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 one way, they're way more detailed because it's it's like a it's a highly detailed um art, right? Yeah. Uh, but then it it's not a three dimensional plastic or, or carved, or you know, the material is is way less, and that's that's kind of cool. And I think that three D printing is something too, that like imagine instead of. Like, I don't know the cost of, again, shipping a whole bunch of games from from one country to another and then the distribution. But, like, if you have a 3D printer at home and you want to print out the pieces that you need... Or even the whole thing, right? Like, I'm when when Brian, you were talking about meltdown. I was like, oh, we could probably we could probably 3D print something here and get a few sponges together. I think we could make this thing, <laughs> <laughs> right? If we can't find it, and and a lot of people like in the miniatures world, like 3D printing is really huge. But just for for games in general, imagine if you if you had the option, right? Like uh, last year, I bought the Cyberpunk 2077 Red Edition. There was the physical edition and the digital edition, and I bought the digital because I was like, I don't, I don't need the whole set. I wanted the the physical set, but I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll just buy the digital one. But if what if board games were like that too, where you just buy the file and then you print it at home, then there could be some some uh, environmental uh, impact reduction in something like that. But now things are getting more difficult, right? It, it, it
0: requ- well, then you're talking about every home where there's a board game or there has to be a 3D printer, and what's the price of creating 3D printers on the environment?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, those are all parts of the discussion, right? Those it, it just becomes
0: so interwoven and so yeah. crazy that every move we make has some impact on the environment. It It's not a world where we can leave only footprints, unfortunately. Yeah. So <laughs> the this- next step maybe is... Do we have an obligation then to offset our our consumption? You guys know what I mean by offset.
2: By planting trees?
0: Sure, that's one way, yeah.
3: Obligation is what I'm uh, the one I wanted to define further. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I... what do you mean by obligation? <laughs> that's hard, well, man. that's hard.
0: We're talking about a kind of a, an ethical dilemma that we might face in any particular pursuit of happiness is you know what's my impact on the world? If I'm going to chop down this tree to make this game, then do I have the obligation, the ethical responsibility to plant another tree in its place so that I've had no impact? And is there truly such a thing as no impact? That's the next piece there, but I I don't know how to answer that question because that's much deeper.
1: There is no such thing as no impact. We breathe, we put CO2 into the air, there is no impact. There's no such thing. Okay. Everything we do has an impact on the planet. Just the simple matter of walking, if we walk in the wrong place, we step on the food source for some th- other thing and we can kill sure. it. Sure. But it's like I said, the whole point is reduction of of negative impact.
0: And and conscious having, use having of having what's a net going positive. On. Yeah. Yeah, net positive. That's that's what I'm looking for. So if, if if for every tree that I make a game with, I put another tree up. Have I offset enough so that there's no real damage to the world? Again, this and is, that's this a simplistic is, equation.
3: Yeah, yeah, but again, this is a this is a, a very uh, complicated moral and ethical <laughs> discussion. Yes, it is for 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 a number of reasons. Um, part of me. Uh, like i I don't know obligation is is a, is a difficult word to, to deal with, but obviously <laughs> ideally right everybody would would do something to offset the effects of, of what they're doing, but there's still this uh and it may be my mood ask me this again in a year right but, uh, <laughs> but the mood I'm in is that the futility of of what we do um like it feels sometimes it feels so insignificant compared to like how how horrible you know a local power plant is, or the military, or yeah. you know other industries that are just so so. Dest- the cruise ships, for example, right? They're just so yeah. so destructive. Like if we just eliminated cruise ships, it would probably be more effective than if every gamer in the world, you know, planted a tree for every game that they bought. And <laughs> you know, and and I mean, I'm just I'm pulling numbers out of my ass, but you sure. are if if you go in and you do those types of things and you and you look at that, uh, what 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 exactly? Uh, is does it matter you know but i think ultimately personally yeah i've i've bought offsets in the past i i think that i'm pretty mindful of things like that um i i think that i that i'm i'd like to think that i'm more net positive than most i i wish i was more uh i'm closer to net positive (laughs) than most i don't think i don't think anybody is uh or very few people are uh in like in the United States for example but i don't know it's it's mostly depressing <laughs> it's mostly <the laughs> pressing conversation
1: oh by the way the oh sorry the uh minis you were talking about yeah the project was called skinny minis yeah
3: yeah and it yeah. was
1: by it was by a group called dungeon in a box you could get about 40 some odd minis for about 22 bucks and that's yeah. three three different sets you could pick from they have they had a, a bunches of sets I think you could get yeah, all in and get yeah. every single style of mini they made for about three hundred something dollars.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was that's pretty amazing.
1: freaking impressive. I I wanted to get in on that even just for the twenty two <laughs> dollar amount, but at the time I was financially not net positive.
3: <laughs> and that's that's a big part of this, right? Like if you have enough, like a, right now, Apple, Apple, you know, makes the iPhone, the the company Apple, they are moving toward um more and more recyclable materials and and lowering their environmental impact And every year they do it a little bit more they're like oh the new ipad is 100 percent recycled aluminum it's like yeah fantastic they had to be the f- the 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 number one richest company in the world to be able to even start doing something like that where it kind of made business sense you know it's like yeah your priorities are not there right uh, most people's priorities aren't in, in in this conversation people who are worried about this may not have other things to worry about paying the right. rent and someone i heard on the news the, the, the other family. day
0: yeah said there 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 was a uh, kind of an important uh thing that they said that was Basically, we have a because of a certain level of privilege, we have the ability to look at it from this perspective and say that we want to reduce. Yeah. But there are poor countries who don't even have the the ability to think about anything like this. So, to your point about Apple, you know, you may have to live at a certain level of ability before you can even get to an awareness or a need to determine how you're impacting the environment. Yeah, I mean, most right developing
3: countries are thinking about developing. (laughs) Once they're developed, they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing some damage. Now we need, we should, we should correct some of the things we did. But everyone's just trying to develop. Everybody's just trying to survive, get more comfortable, get what they need. And yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, I I I don't know. If I were presented with two options, right? Of like, I really want to buy a game. Uh, I guess one option is not buying the game, but like I have to buy the game and there's a, there's a, a more environmentally friendly version and, and I, I don't know, I don't know what I would do. I think it depends every time what's going on. But like I said before about Australia, like I've never been to Australia. I believe it exists, although I've never seen it. I've never been there. Uh, a billion animals dying. That's crazy. That's, I don't, That's I don't understand what that unheard means. unheard of. Yeah. For, forest fires. I've never seen a forest fire. I don't know what that right. is. And right now like like you alluded to earlier I'm living in Puerto Rico the ground is shaking here and there are other things that are more uh, pressing but also I like I never experienced uh earthquake before now I'm experiencing like two or three per day my perspective has completely shifted and my priorities have completely shifted and I, I like there's no there's no there's no way that I can possibly even like I don't know how this plastic straw affects forest fires in Australia. I can't make that connection, and most people can't. And that's why a lot of these changes, um, like that, they're so hard to convince people to do them. Like again, if you had two boxes of the game, you're gonna buy that. You're gonna buy the game anyway. Which one are you gonna? Are you gonna buy? It completely depends on so many different factors which version you would choose, and. Like, I don't know, I think a lot of it is placed on the, the idea of placing the responsibility on the consumers is always, uh, it's an interesting conversation, right? Because- I just
2: want to say something about the straws. I think everybody's <laughs> saying, I understand what you're saying, it, but they're saying there's got to be a baby step somewhere. Yes, all the other stuff is, is really bad, but they're saying, let's begin with this. And that's what's happening with the straws and i truly understand why they're doing it but um because they're saying if they could just do a baby step
3: and the the counter argument uh, about the straws which again i'm like i'm 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 mostly just pulling other people's arguments i'm not necessarily arguing anything on my own but the, the counter argument to the to the straws is there's tons of other baby steps that you could choose that would be more effective than that baby step, right? It's like yeah. we, we don't yeah. when we look I, at the grand picture we're like, um, okay, if I'm going to do something, why am I doing that? And a lot of the that's that we that we think about like in the case of the board games, it's like, you no, know, there's so many other things you could do. Like Brian just walk around naked in the summer, you know? Like like and and you I don't. Right? Well, you know, we can keep we can keep workshopping this. There's there's more we can do, no, I'm sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Um, Go skeletal, O'Brien.
1: Actually, actually, no, I don't. You know why? Because I get board game shit, and I don't, want, and I don't want UPS to have those kind of surprises. <laughs> I don't care. You opened that can of worms. You deal with it. But the, the fact of the matter is, la, every la, la, time la, la, someone, la, la, la. every time someone, every time someone brings up That's the argument, counter argument of there are so many bigger things we could do, why start with this small thing? The problem is that's the counter argument they bring up to every solution people want to do.
3: Well, they well, always um, say, "Well,
1: the, there are other things we could do. Why, exactly. why do we start with this?"
3: The car, the counter argument wasn't other bigger things; was other little things, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like if you can take a, just a shorter shower,
0: true, true,
2: true. and that, that has
3: true. way more impact than like yeah. not using a straw anymore. But now Starbucks, like,
2: mm-hmm. you're talking about the big companies. Starbucks, they said that they're trying to implement a cup that basically um, has seeds in them that will um, basically grow. Um, I want to say it was trees or something. That's that has se- fantastic. Something yes. Yeah, it's it's got seeds in the 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 lining of the cup.
3: Also, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying don't <laughs> get away with the plastic straws. I'm saying do everything. Right. Oh, yeah. okay. But, but yeah. feeling but feeling like like I don't use plastic straws anymore. I'm an environmental hero, you know? Oh, okay. Cause I, I like see. You okay. Know, like like, uh, like you know like this so conversational out. Well, I mean, as you know, opposed
0: to actually taking responsibility for all the other stuff they do,
3: which I think uh. is part of the problem, right? It's like, "Oh, well, you know, well, I, oh, I bought the environmentally friendly version of Gloomhaven, not the other one."
0: Pat me on the back. So it's therefore, like, I'm better than you. Yeah, yeah, I still have my Gloomhaven, and yeah. I didn't hurt the environment. Well, yeah. Well, meanwhile, I'm about... <laughs> driving a Humvee around. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yes, I, I,
1: totally got a, I got to use it to carry my copy of Gloomhaven. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's, well, it's you this Well, you practically type of thing. you practically need a Humvee to carry around Gloomhaven all the expansions. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Let's make again. I, I would, I would love to just. I, I think having a 3D printer and printing my own games would probably be. Uh, one thing that some people could do i think that if there's different versions i think that if you can go more digital then than well it depends i don't know there, there are definitely things that we could do other than i mean when it comes to board gaming like other than not buying the games as a consumer what other options do you have because on the on the publisher side and on the manufacturer there's there's there are things that can be done as a consumer yeah and and i
0: like that you brought up the idea of the blaming the consumer thing because that's not something i've thought about the fact is the the powers that be have a a much bigger responsibility to try to usher forth an environmental revolution in the world than than we as consumers do yeah but we can impact those those makers by only purchasing products that that either offset or that are done in environmentally sustainable ways that's not going to keep me from going to buy dark tower yeah
2: <laughs> that's not going to keep me from buying rococo when it comes uh-huh. out <laughs> so
0: our fetishes get in the way of our 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 uh, high level moral <laughs> like we it's a it's a cost analysis that we have to do on a regular basis in order to to make it all work i think well this has been a fascinating discussion um, if anything I walk away with a, a lot more questions and hopefully a, a, a lot more willingness to to seek out my own areas that i can be impactful um, I hope listeners do as well uh, any final thoughts before we uh, before we end the episode
3: um, I, I did want to mention a game it's not a a board game but it was called evoke it came out about 10 years ago it was jay mcgonigal made it and i played it back then when it when it came out if you look it up now i think it's there's still you can still find stuff about it and it was basically a game about saving the world and like, okay. it literally touched on a lot of the things that we've discussed here environmental impact energy reduction and it framed it uh I think the the story was told like, uh, through a comic book, comic book art. And, and then your role in the game, uh, was as, I don't remember the, the title of the role, but like everybody who played the game then, uh, had to collaboratively come up with solutions to be able to, to solve some of these problems. And it was, it had a narrative, it had, you know, a particular structure. And so, you know, I'm sure that there are tons of games out there. Like, uh, we mentioned, you know, some of these games that are being made in colleges. I think I brought it up the last time we talked, right? That my girlfriend made a game in uh, mm-hmm. in her Games for Change class. It's so, like people are doing this type of thing, and I think that those games can get us to think about this in in a good way, like like a uh, the the straw argument or you know or uh, using the air conditioner. Like I, I'm I believe that we could put those type of things into gaming mechanics in a way that could help us discuss it, understand it, argue about it, debate it possibly have one win over the other you know with different uh, scenarios i think there's a lot of opportunity for that and because again like forest fires in in uh, australia, australia like i, I they don't register for me but you know the game that was not created that you talked about could could probably help me understand or think about it more in in a, in a different way because because I understand games, and I like games, and that's the language that you would have to talk to me in to get me to to really internalize and really understand what's going on.
1: Um, And also kind of... way, oh, oh, I know I've heard you talk about this game, I think. um, Kind of the baby step, the seedling, if you will, for that game, that virtual reality game tree, could be seen in a game like Everything.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you start
1: yeah. off, and you... It, you put yourself in the shoes of different aspects of nature yeah and you walk around and you figure out um there's also oh god um spore
0: there's spore spore, spore. Yeah. i didn't i'd forgotten yeah. all about even spore, the civ, and civ games and the sim, game. even
3: the sim city games and the civ games to a yep. certain extent it's like oh you're 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 limited actually a lot of um rts games it's like oh I, I'm I'm building out this city, so I need to cut down these trees. Once you're out of trees, you're out of wood. Yeah. You know? And then, and what are you gonna do? How efficiently did you use up those resources? And those may be, you know, that that's those are war scenarios usually, but it's it gets you to think about that about resource management in in more in a more realistic way.
0: Roller At coaster least. tycoon, you're constantly <laughs> yeah. cleaning out the yeah. park.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and and again, like in in Civ and and in uh, SimCity. Those games have systems that are intertwined. Right? It's like, oh, there's too much like you have too many people here and now you don't have enough water and there's no now you need another energy plant or or else like there's no power in the building. If there's no power, there's the economy falls. Like all those systems are built into all these games and uh, I don't know. It it again it'll 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 help you think about it. And I don't know how many of them have scenarios. Like some of them have like natural disasters and things that come through and then you have to deal with the aftermath of that and try to manage it. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, you know, we can even I'm sure there are mods out there, too, where it's specifically trying to address some, you know, environmental issues that we're facing.
0: Okay. Yeah. Anyone else? No?
1: No, that's it.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Uh, like I said, it's it's been a very edifying conversation, and I hope that our listeners um, have gained some insight Onto these questions and have generated questions of their own, or even have data to offer us, because of course we're we're working in little mini vacuums in which we don't have full access to all the research we need, and we'd love to hear more about the various things we've talked about. So uh, make sure you check in with us and, and let us know the impact of the episode on on your environment. Um.
1: You uh, see what you did there. <laughs>
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for the discussion and uh, everyone else out there. Keep on rolling for trees.
1: Oh, another one. you got two, two in an episode. Well done.
0: <laughs> you have been listening to Rolling for Change, a proud member of the Geek Therapy Network. If you believe that the best way to understand ourselves is through the content we engage in, then you're a good fit for our little cadre of geeky souls. Find out more at network.geektherapy.com. While you're there, you can drop into the forums and comment on Rolling for Change episodes. For a more lively discussion, join the discard group at geektherapy.com forward slash discord. To reach Rolling for Change directly, you can email us. We are gamers at rollingforchange.com or follow our Twitter feed at Roll for Change. Send us your feedback regarding the environment and gaming and we will be happy to correspond with you. Our theme music, which you're hearing in the background right now is provided by Rocket Scientists. If you like your prog drenched in keys, this is the band for you. Find out more at bandcamp.com. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and keep on rolling for change.